0: If you compare an exit intent trigger to, let's say, triggering a lightbox after 3 seconds or 10 seconds, my bets would always be that the time-triggered lightbox is probably going to get about twice as many leads.
1: Hey, podcast listener. You're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the Email Marketing Podcast or Autoresponder Guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Hey, it's John McIntyre here, the water responder guy. I'm here with Shane Milach. Now, Shane, uh, Shane came to me through Andre Chaperone. Because he recently released a product called Thrive Leads. He's got a number of different products around this Thrive idea, Thrive themes, Thrive leads. Uh, there might be others out there that I don't know of. And uh, how I heard about it was Andre was recently promoting this. I got in touch with Andre and said, hey, I need to meet this cachet because he looks like he's doing some cool stuff with email opt-in plugins. And uh, also with the WordPress stuff and the conversion theme. So I thought I would uh, get him on the show and have a chat about what he's seeing with uh you know in the email opt-in industry if you can call it industry but basically this whole field to find out what's working for him what's not working mistakes that he sees uh, probably some of the motivation that got him to do you know why he created thrive leads in the first place and uh and you know i want to have a chat about things like bounce exchange which uh, you'll hear about in a minute so we'll get into that in just a moment shane how are you doing
0: hey john i'm great thank you and thanks for having me on the podcast
1: it's great to have you on the show so before we talk about Thrive Leads and the, all the nitty gritty of email opt-ins and landing pages, can you tell me a bit about yourself?
0: Sure. Yeah. So I guess the the short story is that uh, you know after school I kind of didn't know what to do with my life for a while, and I I noticed that I was unemployable. <laughs> essentially, I couldn't really hold down a job, and I also uh, I went back to university at some point to start studying psychology. But the only thing I really learned there was that I really didn't want to be in university. And so, um, and I had this, uh, and I guess like entrepreneurialism was in a way the thing that I I'd really wanted to do but also, in a way, the only option I really had <laughs> hmm. because like nothing else was working for me, so I started uh, and I, I kind of knew I want to do something myself, right I want to be an entrepreneur, I really like this idea, and i I, I love creating things, and you know i I had like a good basis for becoming an entrepreneur, but I had no idea what I was doing, and so like I think like many people, you know when I started out, i just I was completely clueless. I attempted to start a couple of businesses that just when I think about it now just makes me cringe. Because I just, you know, the idea was bad, the execution was bad, everything was bad. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, so I, it was just like a process of trial and error that, uh, you know, at some point I was selling stuff on eBay, I was selling computer hardware at one point, and somehow I stumbled my way into online marketing and found my feet there, started to figure out what I'm actually good at and what I like doing. And now, for the last few years, I've been creating software and specifically uh, like WordPress tools. And and yeah, that's become my core business now. But it was really like a quite a long trial and error process before I actually found the, you know the thing I really want to do.
1: Mm, it's funny because just over this weekend I read uh, a book by Cal Newport called I think it's called So Good They Can't Ignore You, and it's all about this mm. idea of how when when we're young we you know we go through high school and then we get told we need to go to university and uh, go through all these different you know sort of follow that standard life path. And what happens is we all question ourselves on. You know, what should I do with my life? And, and then this, you know this is huge movement that's built up now around this idea of go and live your passion. You know, do what you love and the money will follow. That whole idea. And this, yeah, and yeah. this book, his whole point is that, that that is terrible advice, that the people who actually love their careers and love what they do and have a great life very rarely ever got there by trying to follow their passion. They actually got, instead, they got really, really good at something first and then after they'd done that, after they tried a few, you know, a whole bunch of different things, but gotten really good at something, they started to be uh, be passionate about it. So
0: yeah, that's actually really interesting. That you mentioned that because, you know, one of the things I continuously talk about, like I have a I have a blog where I talk about marketing and business stuff, and uh, one of the things I keep talking about is like the most important principle for me is what I call the grind, which is you know pick a skill. And just grind it out. And it's going to be hard and it's going to be awful and you're going to hate your life for some of the time. Mm. But you just grind it out, right? You just grind out that skill until you're so good at it that, yeah, that people can't ignore you. I think that's a good way to put it, right? the, The kind of thing that happens is that people ask me if, Uh, you know, if they can hire me to write their copy or hire me to create their sales videos, even though I don't offer a service like that. But just because those are, you know, that's a craft that I've honed long enough that people now look at my stuff and go, this is really good. Can I hire this guy? So that's a good basis for a business. If you're so good that people see your stuff and they want to pay you, Mm. that's a good basis for a business. And yeah, I agree. It, It doesn't have much to do with, with like just pursuing your passion.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting too because it's, uh, you know, I know over the last few years, one thing I've noticed in my own business is I've been travelling around and doing a lot of having a great lifestyle. And uh, as the business has grown, it's allowed me to probably question you know, more of these things. So instead of thinking about how am I going to pay the bills, I've moved from that to thinking, well, how am I, you know, what does it mean to live a good life? What does it mean to be excited yeah. and passionate? And so I think I've actually fallen into what I'm now probably going to be calling you know, lazy habits of thinking uh, by thinking about this idea of, oh, you know, what am I passionate about? What am I interested in? And I think it's actually been hamstringing my, my ability. To make an impact, when instead I should have been focusing on, and I, you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I haven't been terrible with this, but it's just, a, it's just a tendency I've noticed that, you know, if I had been focused entirely on just getting better for the end, that's it, then I probably would have had more fun because, ironically, it's funny when I, I find for me it might be the same with you, when I focus on just getting better and practicing and studying, I actually find I feel really, really good, but the more I think about, well, what am I passionate about or what do I enjoy, and the more I start to, you know, think I'm doing the wrong thing. And so it really mm-hmm. that thinking creates a lot of discontent,
0: yeah I think there's I think we all make a mistake that you know if, if you ask people what would, what would you do if money wasn't an object they're like, "Well, just sit on a beach and, and, and drink cocktails or something, which is kind of a nice image to have in your head, but it actually is not wouldn't be a satisfying life at all, and really, the kind of things that really fulfill you and satisfy you are usually. Very difficult to do and involve hard work and involve overcoming obstacles and stuff mm. on the other hand, I have to say you know I, for me i 'm also a bit of a cautious tale because I, I have like workaholic tendencies, so i can definitely i 've definitely also seen the other side of that where I can take it way too far where I can just I just have no life and i 'm just working non stop and I, I I like my work and, and everything and it's it 's great to be successful you know to to build a business successful is very gratifying. But I've also, you know, often come to the point where I'm like, well, I don't have a life. What, what's the point? You know, what's the point of doing all this when my whole existence is just slaving away at my own business? So I think it's, I think it's a challenging thing to find the balance there.
1: Hmm. One way I've been thinking about it is that there needs to be. There needs to be a mission. So, you know, someone like Elon Musk or some of these guys, yeah. you know, like Mark Zuckerberg who's building Facebook, um, these guys, like, oh, I, I don't know, I think it's an interesting question to be like, well, I wonder, you know, do they think about work like this? Do they ever wake up and go, man, I can't believe all I do is work on this big, you know, billion-dollar company? And yeah. part of me thinks that, maybe some days they are a bit like that, but I think generally speaking, those sort of people are, you know... Work's not really, I mean, they, I, I doubt they think about work the same way. we. You know, a lot of, you know, most of us think about work. Work to them is just a way to probably achieve a mission or, you know, a way yeah, of expressing yeah. themselves in the world. And I think when you kind of get to that point, which is probably the holy grail of, you know, you know, existence perhaps. But when you get to that point where what you do is is, I mean, you need breaks. You need time to rejuvenate and heal and relax. But generally speaking, if you're involved in a mission that you care about, then ultimately, you should be trying to do it as, you know, if it's important to you and it's adding value to the world, then really, you know, you should be doing it as, you know, trying to do it as fast as possible, as hard as possible so you can achieve that vision and then add that value to the world because the longer you wait the more people are going to be without that a value that you could have created. So the only reason you should, you know, yeah. in one sense, I almost think that the only reason we should, any of us should stop working is just to take a rest so it can be more effective when we are working. Because it's not that work, we're not working in a cubicle, but we're working to to create something or make, you know, add some sort of unique value to the world.
0: Yeah, which, which kind of in a way brings us almost full circle back to the passion thing. Because... Mm. That means that you have managed to create a business for yourself that is the larger mission in your life. Is something where you're working on something that is greater than yourself, and essentially in a way that is you know that's you're so passionate about your work that that's what you want to do. That's what you want your life to be. So. I think, I think we've actually kind of come full circle with this. And we haven't talked about email yet, which is good.
1: <laughs> well, let's get into email then. So All right. tell me a bit about, you know, give me a quick rundown of what Thrive Leads is. And then let's talk about some of the lessons that you've learned about, uh, you know, how to get people onto the email list. All right. So, so Thrive Leads is
0: uh, our newest WordPress plugin. And it is essentially, it's just everything you need to, to generate leads on your website inside one single plugin right so uh, basically any kind of opt-in form you can think of that you would want to add on your site whether that's you know an opt-in form inside your content or on a landing page or in your sidebar or a light box or a slide and whatever whatever you can think of where you want to place an opt-in form or how you want it to be shown to your visitors you can do all of that with thrive leads and that's uh, uh, that's that's kind of the first point of it was to to unify that so you don't have to have you know five different plugins for five different ways to gather leads to unify that into one plugin and then the other thing and the most important thing about it is that it's conversion focused so the whole point of thrive leads is is that it's about uh, testing running a b tests of various kinds to figure out what actually gets the most leads onto your list so we've got a very advanced uh, split testing engine in there and you can test just anything you can think of really so those are like the two main reasons we we built that because those two things weren't really available on the market yet and yeah so that that was just our idea because of course uh, you know and one of the reasons this is i mean our whole thing with thrive themes is that it's about conversion optimization and in my business mailing lists or email marketing have always been an extremely powerful, very important part of the business. And I know this is true for so many online businesses, right? It's like the, the mailing list is the most valuable asset you have. And so, yeah, to, it was a high priority for us to create a tool that lets people build and optimize their their lists.
1: Okay. Okay, cool. So I've actually been looking at it after Andre mentioned it. I've been looking at it to uh, another guy. So I've been doing some cold email to... Mm. Uh, a couple of different lists. And one of the guys replied to me and, and started going on and on and on about Thrive Themes. So he's a very satisfied customer and he was giving me a very... Uh, he went and critiqued my website and told me that it was too internet marketing-y and how I need to get this theme called Thrive Themes and so I can make it look less, you know, you know sell without selling. I think he said something to the effect. Right. So, uh, and so I went and checked it out. I'm back on the site now. So I'll be updating my site at some point in the next few months and maybe I'll uh, give this a shot. But talk to me about some of the... I imagine that you've learned, or you probably had to study, you know, email opt-ins, or you had you know, mm-hmm. to get some ideas about what's working and what's not, and also you've probably seen, a, you know, a lot of results since then about what's working and what's not. So, yeah, talk to me about that. What's what's working right now?
0: Right. So, wow, there's, there's so much to say about this. One of the things I think is that is currently a bit, bit of a trend is there's a lot of fuss being made about exit intent, right? So, to explain exit intent, if you're not familiar, um, so the the idea is that you show a light box with a with an opt in offer or any kind of offer really at the moment that you're that you suspect your visitor is about to leave your website and the way this is usually done is you just um you wait for the visitor's mouse cursor to leave the viewports so, all right if you if you leave the viewport of the website and you go up to the back button or you go up to the um you know the close icon on the browser tab that's the moment when you would be showing this offer. So the idea is the visitor is browsing your website, they're reading your content, and so on. At some point, they decide, okay, I've had enough of this. They're about to close the tab, and then they see this offer pop up. And so the, the basic idea here is, okay, you're recovering, uh, you're recovering the lost visitor essentially, right? Instead of them going away, you're, you're giving yourself a chance to get them as a lead instead. And a lot of fuss has been made about how great this exit intent thing is. Now, uh, with Thrive Leads, you can test different form triggers. So you can test showing a form on exit against showing it after 10 seconds or against showing it when someone scrolls 50% down the page or whatever, right? You can test different triggers. And if you do these tests, you will find often, and uh, as always, you have to be very careful with generalizing rules about what works and doesn't work in conversion optimization. But but what you'll find often is that the exit intent trigger does not perform well at all. Mm. Right? So if you compare an exit intent trigger to, let's say, triggering a lightbox after three seconds or ten seconds, my bets would always be that the time-triggered lightbox is probably going to get about twice as many, if not more, leads than exit intent, and again, it's you know these generalizations are always going to be wrong in some cases, and that's why you need to test, right? But still, that's something that we found through many tests on many different sites. Exit intent doesn't perform amazingly well. Cool.
1: Thanks. So that's an interesting question here. There's, there's a company out there called Bounce Exchange, which we both know about, yeah. and they charge, I think, the minimum product right now is probably $4,000 a month maybe it's even yeah. $6,000 a month and all they really do as far as I can tell is just set up the op- like they, I mean they, they sell it really well in terms of oh we've got this amazing behavioral technology and you know we're going to set mm-hmm. up this thing and optimize it but really they're setting up an, like an exit intent pop-up form you know creating a design for it and then probably just split testing on an ongoing basis and that's it and they're charging yeah. at least four thousand dollars a month for it, and they're working with companies from. If you go to their site, you know, this, you know, contact us for them. You know, you, when you pick your budget or happy your companies, it's anywhere from you know there's four options: less than one million, one to ten, <laughs> I think 10, ten to a hundred, and then a hundred yeah. plus million dollars. So they're working with really big <laughs> companies to do this. Yeah, yeah, and it looks like a great business because they're hiring probably thirty different. I wouldn't have had a whole browse all over their site. They're hiring a whole bunch of different people, so it's going really well. But by the sound of it from from the outside, it looks like all they're doing is just offering an exit intent technology. And now you're telling me that it doesn't even work as, you know, generally doesn't even work as well as time triggered.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I remember the first time I I came across Bounce Exchange and I was just in disbelief. And at the the time there, they were only in quotes charging like $800 a month or something. But I was in, in disbelief because the thing is, I mean, you know, congratulations to them for, for creating a business like this. It's amazing. I mean, how cool is it if you, if you have something as simple as that mm. and you're and you're just, you know, you're uh, you're cashing out to the, to the, you know, to the degree of thousands per month per customer. It's amazing. But to me, this is it's really puzzling to me because, you know, as a business owner, even if I had even if I had a business that does a lot of volume and whatnot, it would be so much cheaper to just hire someone to write that code and create that custom design and put it on my site, like just from scratch, even just from scratch, right? it would be so much cheaper to to do that whole thing from scratch with someone you hire in-house than this service is. That's what I don't understand. Like, because I, I can understand the value of you know having you know someone just takes care of it for you, it's done for you, but. It's it's amazing to me that it works to that degree where people are actually willing to pay more than they would pay for an in house person think, for yeah. a service.
1: An interesting lesson here, which I've been thinking a lot about recently, is this idea of you know, a lot of people get into internet marketing. I'm one of these people who, you know, I've never really had a corporate position. I never had that, you know, proper career where I was, you know, going into an office yeah. day. I've had, you know, I haven't done it for, you know, two or three months, but that doesn't really count. So like a proper career. And mm. so because of that you know, when I you know, what I've learned about internet marketing and copywriting, I tend to I've been told this by, you know, a number of people and I think we all do this, we all undervalue what we actually do. And yeah. so we think that, oh well this, you know, exit pop up thing, well that's you know, you could just hire a developer on ODEX for probably a couple hundred bucks to set that whole thing up for you. And then mm-hmm. the split testing would take you, you know, like an hour every week. Like it's it's really, really, really you could spend, you know, a thousand dollars and get it running for, you know, six months. It's crazy. And so we look you know, so we see that and we know how much we can actually pay for it. But the real value is in what these companies are actually making from it. Which has been a yeah. lesson that I you know, lesson I'm still learning, I think. So if you put a you know, an X in town or even just a pop up, if you put, you know, Thrive Themes on, you know, Amazon doesn't use pop ups, but imagine that you were able to put it on Amazon and optimize some of that. If they're getting I don't know how much traffic Amazon gets, it's probably millions and millions a day. And uh, you use that to collect more you know, more often, you could probably show them with a company like Amazon that they're gonna make millions of dollars a month just by implementing this, this, you know, pop-up strategy. And so, What's interesting here is the, the corporate, almost like the corporate pricing strategy and how this works with it. It's not just themes. Oh, it's not just um, plugins. i got a friend who sells, uh, you know, I know someone who, who has a podcast editing service and he's, he's testing the pricing right now, but it's been as little as 2500 I think up to 7000 But then recently, about a week or two ago, I heard of a guy who was boasting to a friend that he got an entire podcast launch for ten, with 10 episodes for $20,000.
0: Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean it's. I mean that that's a funny thing about pricing, and, and I mean I'm, I totally agree. I think in general we make this mistake that we that we tie the idea of pricing to the to the wrong. Like we think, well, how do, how much does it cost to provide this service? Well, my price can't be much more than that, right? And we we don't think. And you just kind of have to remember, like you have to think more like a perfume manufacturer, where it's like the markup is is you know twenty thousand percent, or or the thing that you know the thing that comes to mind is is the gold plated Lamborghini. <laughs> and if you think about even just a Lamborghini car is just so insanely more expensive than a normal car most people it's just completely out of reach for most people. But then there are some people who will not just buy a Lamborghini, they will also gold plate it. Like that's how much money they have. Mm. And and I think you I think we tend to forget that that's even a thing. Like mere mortals who were not born into billionaire families would not even think of the possibility of gold plating a car, right? Yeah. Because it's just, you have to have, you have to be kind of in an environment of such wealth before that even seems like a good idea. And and we just don't have that. And, and I think that's true for products as well, right? Of course, you can go out and say, whatever, I offer some kind of a service, right? Whatever it is, uh, a lead generation optimization service or a, uh, whatever copywriting or so whatever it is, and I can say, well, what's a reasonable price, right? What's a reasonable price? I could say oh, I'm going to charge a couple thousand dollars to do this and that. I could just do the, I could offer practically the exact same thing and just say it costs twenty thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. And you have to be aware that some people or some companies, there is a target audience, mm. and if, even for a price that seems completely outrageous to you, right? And it, and I think that is. It's a real challenge. The pricing thing is a real challenge for sure.
1: Mm. I think part of it's such a it's 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 just a head like a, it's like a mind warp where yeah because at the at the end of the day the only thing that matters is the like to especially in the, you know B two B marketing so if you're a copywriter or you're, you know you're selling to businesses which is what we're both doing you mm-hmm. the only thing that really matters is the ROI you know if you, you're going to make a million dollars I'll give you five hundred thousand dollars as many times as I can so yeah, it's, exactly you know I, I think uh, another example of this was. I was, on, I was on a private Facebook group, and there's this guy in there that does his high-ticket sales. I won't mention his company, but he, he's basically offering uh, one of the companies he's got right now is he's offering a number one ranking in Google for any keyword, no matter mm-hmm. what it is, whether it's make money online or you know credit cards, no matter what the keyword is, he's offering a number one ranking, and it's guaranteed. And if they don't have the ranking within two to three months, they will give you the money, yeah, your money back. Okay. So the catch is that. I imagine that they probably they vet their clients extremely well, so they'll probably turn a lot of people away. But also, the, the people that they do work with, they're going to be charging $100,000, $250,000, $1 a million dollars for these contracts. Yeah. And the reason <laughs> people are going to pay it is because they know that if they get into that number one ranking they're going to be making $100,000 a day.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's, and you know, this is something I also, it's really a matter of perspective and perception as well, because I've I've noticed this also as my own businesses have grown. And, you know, as I've gone from making a few thousand dollars a month to making tens of thousands to sometimes making hundreds of thousands, uh, how my own perception of, of, like, money has changed. Because I, I remember not too long ago when I was, like, still kind of solopreneuring it and so on uh, and i was you know the the idea of hiring so hiring people for different things even even for simple things like design it was like oh, i'm gonna spend like five hundred dollars on getting a design done i i'll try to avoid that whereas now the idea of you know paying uh, paying someone ten thousand dollars for for a day or two of their time if they're like a really good mentor, and I know that they can come in and and fix some some fundamental issues in our business. Or if I know here's someone who's you know done what I'm trying to do several times before, who's just a total pro at this. And if I can, yeah, if I can spend ten thousand dollars to get a day or two of that person's time, that seems like a good deal now, right? Mm. But it's it's only because it's only because my own like the revenue in my company has grown the way it has, and. I'm pretty sure that just keeps going, right? When you're making millions a month, then suddenly, yeah, spending $100,000 for someone's time or for some service just seems kind of reasonable because you, you can see an ROI coming
1: from it, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, well, talk to me about what's happening with, uh, you've probably got some interesting data coming in from your own tests and I don't know if you see the tests of other people, but is there anything, aside from the usual stuff, which is obviously you have, you know, have some good copy on there and have something people want. And yeah. I mean, the in exit intent anything was, inter- was interesting. Have you noticed any other interesting things about like counterintuitive things even about email opt-ins?
0: Yeah, well, I'm not sure about counterintuitive, but I think one of the most underutilized things um, is, is making like tailored offers to different segments of your audience. So uh, first of all, you know, I think one of the biggest problems with, with testing when, whenever you give people a tool to do split testing is that, we have a tendency to tinker, right? It's because it's very easy to create a form and then say, okay, I'm going to create the same form with a slightly different headline or the same form with a different button color or something like that. It's very easy to do. Mm. Uh, but the results, you know, the, the maximum possible payoff of tweaking your button colors is very low. It's never going to make a huge difference. Um, and so... And I think that I think people don't underestimate how worth it it can be to invest more time into changing your entire value proposition or even changing your entire offer, right? Um, so, you know, having I think, I think that the, or the way I see this developing as well is we went from most, if, especially if you look at blogs, most blogs used to have just like a subscribe to my newsletter kind of opt in, right? Mm. And by now, I think pretty much everyone knows that it's much better to have an opt in incentive of some sort where you say, you know "Get my free report, get my free course, get my free video, whatever it is in return for opting in um, and I think the next thing that that people will start to realize is that it can be even more effective by making different offers to different segments of your audience because they're interested in different things right so you know to give an example from from my own blog if someone's looking at a post in the video marketing category they're probably interested in something else than someone looking at a product uh, at a uh, at a post in the product creation category right and if i show them both the same offer even if i you know imagine i'm showing both of them the same like lightbox pop up thing and i'm testing different headlines different buttons different all kinds of stuff that's never going to be as effective as saying here's an offer that's specific to your interest in video marketing to the video marketing people and saying, here's an offer that's specific to your interest in product creation to the product creation people. So another way of saying this is that the greatest lever you have in in your offer is the offer itself, is your opt-in incentive itself, is the thing that you promise in return for the opt-in. And that's the kind of thing where you can get, you know, a five times increase in your conversion rate, which you probably will never get by tweaking the headline. Um, and so, and I think it's something that few people do because it's like, oh my God, now I have to do two opt-in incentives. Are you kidding me? I have to do two eBooks or two videos or whatever to give away or, or even more. That's crazy, right? But it's the kind of thing where the the potential payoff for doing that is massive compared to just tinkering with small stuff. And that's, something that almost nobody's doing, um, but it's extremely effective. And that's, you know, if, if you are doing that, if you're making these tailored offers to your audience, uh, right now you're really at the cutting edge of lead generation. If you're doing that, you're, you know, in the 1% or so of people who do that.
1: Right, right. It's interesting, when I was, you know, learning to write copy, I remember, I remember reading that from, it's probably Gary Halbert, who he's got a list of, you know, why I'm the best copywriter or an an article about why he's the best copywriter ever. And it's just about this offer idea. And so I used to think of changing the offer as just changing the way you word the offer. Mm. But, you know, I think over time, I've started to realize that that's not not it at all. I mean, you can change the wording of the offer and tweak it and say, I will give you a guarantee and that kind of thing. But like to go back to that SEO guy that I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, the standard offer in the SEO industry is give us us $1,000 a month. And we will build links and optimize your site and, and try and get it ranking on page one. There's no mm-hmm. guarantees though. So if it, you know, it might work, it might not. It might take a little bit longer than we think. You might get to number one, but we really don't know. Okay? That's mm-hmm. the sort of standard offer. This guy's offer, he comes in and goes, hey, look, give me some cash and I will get your site on the first page into, number, into the number one position for any keyword, no matter what you want. And it's absolutely guaranteed. I'll give you your money back in three months time if we haven't hit it yet. And, like, the difference between those two offers in terms of their appeal is huge. So, I mean, and this is something I read, uh, I think it was over the weekend. So, what, you know, one thing I'm going to do this week or planning to do this week is sit down and just brainstorm offers, offer after offer after offer, not just tweak the existing offers that I have, but to actually go in and think about, well, you know, what's – because this is really – when we talk about the offer, this is actually getting into more of, like, the fundamental business issues of mm-hmm. – What's your product market fit? What problems are you actually solving? What value are you offering the market? Because the offer isn't just the words used to express or explain what the offer is. The offer is very much what are you what are you offering? What value are you actually going to give someone if they if they sign up? You just going to give them a website? Are you going to you know are you just going to write them you know an example for me is am I just going to write them say ten emails or am I going to create some sort of system that they don't even have to worry about? I'll just do the whole thing for them. And so it's a really that's a really interesting question, and it moves away from um, it moves away from oh, let's just optimize those buttons and headlines, like you mentioned, into that territory yeah, yeah. where you actually have to think really, really hard to solve these problems.
0: Yeah, and it's and you have to understand like you have to understand your market, right? That's something that's like, uh, you know, like I said, we we spend a lot of time building like a really solid testing engine into our plugin, but that's the technical part. We can do that. What we can't do for you is give you an understanding of who your who your market is and how they think and what they want and what words they use that's something you still have to like you still have to do the grunt work there and figure out these basics and uh, that's what informs you know what your product should be like and this is also something where lead generation is very very powerful because i mean one of the issues with with having different with trying to come up with like different offers and trying to figure out which one of these offers will have the greatest appeal is that it does take a lot of time to put together an entire offer. So, one thing you can do to to validate these ideas is you can you can for example just test that as a lead generation thing, show different like get on the waiting list for offer A, get on the waiting list for offer B and so on. Test those against each other and see which one's gets the most signups, right? Mm. And the cool thing about this is and this is like if you want to see a great example like the Buffer app was launched in that kind of way, right? Where they were basically just saying, hey, do you want this thing? Um, and I think they even had like a fake offer where it, it looked like you could purchase it. But then when you click on the purchase button, it says, oh, sorry, this product doesn't exist yet, but you can sign up for the waiting list here. Uh, but so the cool thing is you can use this as a, as a way to validate your different offer ideas, plus the one that gets the most attention, the one that gets the most leads, you, you're also building an audience that you will then be able to sell your offer to once you put it together, right? So that's another thing that is, I think, very, is is very underutilized, right? Very few people use lead generation in this way, but it's actually extremely powerful for for validating a business idea and then also at the same time building the audience for that business.
1: Hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been an interesting uh, conversation. Instead of being about emails, it's been about some little bit more uh, deep topics
0: Yes, good. Yeah, it's, uh, we we straight off topic in the best possible way. I think.
1: <laughs> well, cool. Well, we're right on time. So, uh, before we go though, can can you give a uh, sort of let's talk about Thrive Thrive Leads very quickly? I don't know if you've got Thrive Themes as well, and yeah. um, I've got a link here that uh, if people want to check it out, I'll mention that in a second. Well, tell me about Thrive Thrive Leads.
0: Okay. Well, Thrive Leads, like I said, is is uh, is basically the only plugin you need. To generate leads from your website, right? So what you do with Thrive Leads is you install this plugin, you get rid of all the other junk you have installed to generate leads, you connect it to your mailing list and you can set up every type of opt-in form that you want. And the most important thing, we've made it very easy to test different, you can test different forms, different designs, different offers, um, different triggers, whatever. Even different form types, you can like you can test, you know, a slide-in box against a light box or something like that. And you can run these tests, and you can even set the tests so that they automatically, you know, w- they automatically gather a certain amount of data that you define. And once those limits are reached, the test will automatically stop and show only the highest converting version. So you can kind of semi-automate your testing and conversion increase as well. And basically, yeah, and all that is built into one really powerful WordPress plugin. That's Thrive Leads, and then. If you if you got Thrive Leads is part of our Thrive Themes product line, so we have uh, conversion optimized WordPress themes, we have a really awesome visual content builder that makes it like a thousand times faster to build sales pages and landing pages and stuff like that in WordPress, and we've got a couple of other interesting plugins, and everything you know the combining factor here or the the common factor here is that. All of our tools are built with conversions in mind. So you know, our, for example, our themes are built to be as fast loading as possible because a fast website is extremely important for conversions. And just know every feature we build, every plugin we build, everything we build, it's all, the question is always how does this help you increase conversions? If there's no clear answer how this serves your business goal, then we don't build it. Mm. That's how we differentiate ourselves from basically every other WordPress vendor out there.
1: Okay. I'm curious how it compares to say something like I've been looking at Well, there's Optimized Press 2, which is the the classic. So how how is it different mm. to that, for example?
0: Well, with Optimized Press 2, I think Optimized Press 2 has some like marketing features and stuff that we don't have yet. Um, but the biggest issue and I've talked to a lot of Optimized Press 2 users who confirmed this, the biggest issue with Optimized Press 2 is that it takes so much time. To build and edit your content in the editor, right? Because like everything you change, everything you add in in, in your content is is like a five step process. Mm. Just takes forever to make a change. And this is like so theoretically. Theoretically, if you look at the you know the Optimize Press landing page builder and you compare it to our landing page builder, theoretically, pretty much anything you can do with ours, you can do with theirs. But in practice, you're not going to do it with theirs because it will take you three or five times longer. The way we've built our visual editor, we we have a similar, in a sense, visual editor where you know you're looking at your landing page, and you're dragging and dropping elements and you're editing as you know as it looks. Uh, so it's a front end editor, but the difference is that we've built it to be as fast as possible to use. So there's you know you never have to refresh the page, you never have to load, wait for something to load or whatever. It's just like click and edit, yeah. and everything's very immediate. So. I think that's the main difference, right? If you want to if you want to create two pages to run a test one against the, the other with our tool that's um, you can do that in a matter of minutes with something like optimize press it will take you half an hour or an hour just because the editing process
1: is slow. Yeah. Interesting, okay, cool. The other thing I wanted to ask about uh, Thrive Thrive themes was that, is it how customizable is it because I you know if I when I think about it i've been using thesis, and so with mm-hmm. thesis, I kind of log in and I, there's a you can really customize thesis with CSS and change yeah. a lot of stuff and use you know custom functions to pop things you know, or, you know add in different things in different areas on the page it's really really customizable so the thing I the reason I've avoided using any you know I, I've never even used optimized press, but the reason I've avoided using these different plugins or different themes is is because I've worried that if I do it, I'm going to lose the customization.
0: Yeah. So our themes are less customizable than that. And the main reason for that is is this speed factor, right? Um, it's it's something that we want to address in the coming months. Where we're trying to, basically, we're working on ways to make our themes more customizable without sacrificing page speed, which is technically tricky to do. So in most cases, I, I don't know what it's like with thesis directly, but, you know, to give you an example, I tested a very simple, um, like essentially a blank page with one paragraph of text in it. Uh, and I, I created this page, I looked at it in one of our themes, and in the source code, it's about 240 lines of code. Yeah. And I looked at it in a different theme, which is a very um, one of the top-selling themes on ThemeForest, which is like super customizable. That exact same page, which is visually exactly the same, had 2,600 lines of code. Wow. And the reason is because all of these options, all of the customization, all of the extra features they have is loading just tons of code and scripts and stuff in that page, even though as a user you don't see that, or as a visitor you don't see that. But the only way they can be that customizable is, is by having a really bloated code. And that's something we want to avoid. So right now our themes are, are definitely a lot less customizable then some of our competing themes, you know, we don't have themes where you can like pixel by pixel change the width and li- length and size of everything. Um, and the reason is that we have this performance focus, right? So, we're, and we're we're trying to find the compromise there. We're trying to improve the customization, and you know, and they are customizable to some degree, but um, you know, not not like the pixel by pixel customization.
1: Yeah okay interesting cool well I'll have a uh, I'll have a link to Thrive Leads since that was the one we talked about on the show notes Uh, we actually need to do we can actually go to themcmethod.com slash Thrive Leads would be the link for Thrive Leads and then I can also have a link to uh, Thrive Themes which would be themcmethod.com slash Thrive Themes so those all those links will be in the show notes at themcmethod.com if you want to get that Shane thanks for coming on the show man
0: All right, hey this was a blast thanks
1: for having me Hey everybody! Thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the Autoresponder Guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com/podcast. Sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more.